There is a dangerous allure to something I call reactive externalism. I talk about how that relates to patriarchy, beards, weightlifting, modesty, and so forth on this episode of This is Foster. American Christianity has long been dominated by Gnostic tendencies. Gnosticism is a false religion that troubled the church in the 2nd and 3rd century. It revisits every generation to some degree. This go-around, it's come back with a vengeance. In a nutshell, they basically believe that the physical realm consisting of matter was created and ruled by a lesser evil god they called the Demiurge. They identify the god of Abraham as that Demiurge. According to Gnosticism, the material world, being the creation of an evil deity, is considered bad. In Gnosticism, people are seen as a divine soul trapped in a physical world. The body is viewed as a prison for the individual, and the created realm is seen as a prison for the entire race. Therefore, salvation in Gnosticism means escaping the limitations of the physical realm through acquiring special knowledge and attaining pure spirit. Now, I understand that no one's claiming that the Trinity is the Demiurge, but all the other tenets, all the other major tenets of Gnosticism are becoming increasingly commonplace in American Christianity. These include having a disregard for the body and physical things, including culture, and emphasizing spiritual knowledge and experience in all aspects of life. This is easily refuted by a plain reading of Genesis 1 and 2. Creation is declared to be good, matter is good, plants are good, animals are good, bodies are good. Mankind was created as a composite of body, physical, and spirit, and God affirms it. Therefore, the idea that matter is evil is unfounded. The Bible says the exact opposite. You cannot divorce mankind's physicality from his spiritual nature or vice versa. In Romans 6, 1-14, Paul connects the inward spiritual reality, the fact that we are dead to sin and alive in Christ, to the outer physical reality of what we do with our bodies. Slaves obey their masters. In the past, sin was our master, and we served it with our bodies. Within us were evil desires, and we used our physical members to fulfill those desires. We lusted with their eyes, lied with our tongues, and stole with our hands. Our bodies became instruments of unrighteousness and lawlessness. However, we have become freed from sin. Christ is now our Lord and Master. Therefore, Paul says, So present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead, and present your members as instruments of righteousness to God. The benefits of our union with Christ are like a seed planted within us that grows and manifests itself outwardly throughout the works accomplished by our bodies. Our tongues now proclaim the truth, sing praises, taste food to the glory of God. Our eyes study the creation and learn to appreciate its beauty, and our hands emulate it in our art, architecture, and even coding. We work diligently with our backs to provide for ourselves, our families, and to contribute to others. What once was a tool of evil has now become an instrument of righteousness. Consider how contrary this is to Gnosticism. Not only is the body inherently good, but it also produces and brings more good into the world. Therefore, a sincere devotion in the heart inevitably leads to devotion through the body. The Puritans understood this well. They emphasized the importance of good works and sought to create a holy culture. However, somewhere along the way, a sound doctrine became distorted and reduced to a monstrous belief that only the inner world matters. 
A younger generation of Christians are discovering that Gnosticism, including its ugly twin sister, feminism, is a destructive lie. Our sex matters. Our body matters. Beauty matters. Strength matters. Our appearance matters. Sexual distinctions matter. They, of course, were told the exact opposite, and believing the lies of Gnosticism led to bad fruit in their lives. As a result, it is understandable that they're mad. In the fervor of their righteous anger, they seek to root out Gnosticism from their lives and reclaim the goodness of God's creation. This is commendable, but it's important to note that strong emotions can often cloud one's vision. And clouded vision is particularly dangerous in an age characterized by a desire to find hasty shortcuts and internet exponitionism. This brings me to the allure of reactive externalism. I know that's a lot of isms, but let me explain. I've known many women who, in their desire to reject the markers, the external markers of feminism, have chosen to grow their hair out long, replace tight pants with modest dresses, and start wearing head coverings during worship. Now, many of these women, though, still are brassy, loud women. While they may adorn themselves in a way that aligns with the trad wife archetype portrayed on Instagram, they still lack the enduring beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit as described in 1 Peter 3.4. I've known many men, in their desires to reject the markers of effemacy, who have chosen to grow a beard, hit the weights, and start doing family devotions around the dinner table. However, Many of these men still are emotionally undisciplined men lacking gravitas. While they adopt a masculine appearance and busy themselves with masculine activities, they still lack the internal character of a mature man as described in 1 Timothy 3, 1-7. Godly femininity and masculinity are not easily obtained. They come at a cost. There are no shortcuts. They require a significant amount of time and effort. They are the result of an ongoing sanctification which is achieved through discipline. Discipline can be painful for a time, but it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. But pain is hard. It's much easier to dress up than it is to grow up. The temptation to appear as if we have everything figured out is further intensified by the expeditionism of social media. Unlike toned muscles and flowing dresses, qualities such as gravitas and a quiet spirit are not visually captivating. They do not generate the instant gratification of notifications, shares, and retweets. Consequently, the immediate rewards associated with external appearances can hinder the long-term benefits of character development that comes from embracing the pain and hardships of disciplined growth. That's the allure of reactive externalism. It provides a quick way to portray oneself as a masculine man or a feminine woman. However, this is significant because most shortcuts are actually detours. Ultimately, our children will remember us not for the image we presented online, but for who we truly were in reality. Now, at this juncture, many evangelicals will proclaim, see, only the spiritual matters. They argue that any concern for beauty, strength, and appearance amounts to vanity. However, I disagree. We must keep heart religion and body religion interconnected. We cannot let the intensity and darkness of our day tempt us to pull them apart. But we also need to recognize that there are deep psychological, moral, and cultural motives behind the practices and theology we find attractive. They aren't merely logical deductions from Scripture. There are other pressures at play. And we know that we can have the form of godliness but lack its power. We have to go after the substance and not just the external form. So, let us reject shortcuts, exhibitionism, and externalism. 
Instead, let us embrace discipline. Discipline your body. Discipline your spirit. Live a disciplined life, even when the only one who sees you is the Almighty. Until next time, don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. I'm Michael Foster, and I want to thank you for listening to this podcast. The best way you can help us out is to leave a rating or a review or share it with a friend.